Welcome to Foundation Christian Church. We're glad that you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit foundationcitrusheights.com. If you need a Bible, please put a hand up. We got volunteers that are passing out Bibles right now. Everybody else, I hope you are at Acts 3. In the hardback we're passing out, this is page 907. 907. If you would like notes but did not get some notes, you can put a hand up and we've got bulletins we can bring to you. Uh, this is not gonna be up on the slides today, but you do have your notes and fill in the blanks for those of you that enjoy that. Uh, we've been walking now for a little while through the book of Acts. This is a book that many have critiqued for literally centuries, saying we should not call this the book of the Acts of the Apostles. These are the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Anytime something awesome happens, it's a Spirit-filled saint doing it, or the Spirit doing it directly. When somebody acts in their own power, I don't know, Ananias and Sapphira, for anybody who's read ahead, it doesn't go well, does it? Who here loves Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit inside you, and you know you are perfectly capable of saying and doing things apart from the Spirit of God? It does not go well, does it? It does not go well at all. My hand was up too. So this amazing, exciting moment that we come upon, we were uh, already told by Jesus back in the Gospel of Luke, you are going to do some amazing things to glorify my Father, to show me to the world as the one who is going to die in the place of sinners, to offer forgiveness of sins to anyone who believes. I'm going to send my Spirit, and with my Spirit in you, you're going to do greater things than anything you saw me do. Who knows Jesus did some pretty amazing things while in the flesh. Do you think, <laughs> I wonder, I'm gonna, I gotta ask this when I get to glory. Do you think the apostles believed him when he said that? You're gonna do greater things? I, you know what I mean? Because 20 centuries later as a Christian, that, that statement of Jesus still applies to me and I really struggle to believe it. How about you? Greater? The walking on water thing? Feeding thousands of people with a very finite amount of food? Calming a storm? Jesus, are you sure? <laughs> Did you draft me by accident <laughs> onto Team Jesus? You're not talking about me, right? Well, no, he's not. He's not. He's saying, you don't understand. My Holy Spirit is equally God to me equally powerful, co-equal in creation. He loves you just as much as I love you. He's gonna be in you and working through you. That's why. Oh, so if I was looking in a mirror, I was already doing it wrong. That makes sense? <laughs> Jesus never said you're gonna be awesome. He said you're gonna be a vessel of something awesome. All right, so let's extrapolate some beautiful gifts from this story a man who has not been able to walk his entire life depends on a very regular religious system, which is still true in Judaism to this day. The almsgiving is a part of worship. And so he, uh, his family presumably, or friends, place him at this spot. He's used to asking for his next meal. And God surprises him this time, doesn't he? Something just a little bit different. We've got to ask ourselves a lot of questions about the nature of healing, and that's why I've entitled this sermon Healing in Jesus' Name. Um, I've told you guys who are regulars, I've told you before that I grew up Southern Baptist, and we had the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Scripture. 
just like everybody else, right? <laughs> we were afraid of the Holy Spirit because we had decided that our Pentecostal friends were doing it wrong, but we had not stopped long enough to go, hey, what are they doing right that we should learn from? Does that make sense? So I grew up where the Holy Spirit was an it, not a he. Is that a problem? Say yes. Yeah. That's a huge problem. Could you imagine flipping that around if Jesus was an it and not a he? An impersonal savior? Yikes. An impersonal, what about the God the Father? What if you're the creator and the Lord over you and the source of all what is true in the world? What if it's just an it? I don't know, like the force, Star Wars fans, right? That's an impersonal spiritual force both divided into dark and light, but it's not a person who loves you. And, and, and so uh, I am repenting. I hope I'm leading this family in repenting. Hey, let's see what the Holy Spirit is doing in us and through us. And when he heals, and I don't have time to bifurcate today. So there are times where God simply decides to heal out of his mercy. There's the gift of healing, two different things. We don't have the time. But today, right now, we're talking broadly about healing that raises a bunch of questions, doesn't it? Even if you grew up in church, not every church believes the same things about healing. Maybe you grew up, you're part of a different faith and you've got your own perspective on healing. You grew up without any religion of any kind and you're going, man, uh, isn't that what we have science for? Science grows and they'll, hopefully they'll figure it out one day. Or maybe, and this is fair, you don't know what you believe about healing. You know religious folks make their claims, but you also know you've heard stories that you don't know you can explain you know, exactly what happened. And so maybe you're genuinely open-minded. Well, today we're going to ask ourselves, what does uh, the Bible tell us about healing? First is one of the most important. Here are your blanks if you've got a pen. You cannot operate in Jesus' authority unless you are under Jesus' authority. You cannot operate in Jesus' authority unless you are under Jesus' authority, okay? Here you have an apostle. He walked with God. He, he saw what Jesus did. He knew what Jesus taught, and he was commissioned to go tell the world who Jesus was that people might respond in faith and find life in his name. And he says, in the authority. That's what, when you read in the Bible, when you read in the name, that means in the authority, Okay, as if Jesus Christ signed it himself. In Christ's authority, get up and walk. How can Peter and John operate in Christ's authority? They have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But then there's this S word that we Americans hate. Submission. They're gladly following their rabbi, even though their rabbi has ascended and is at the right hand of the Father. They are in glad submission to their Savior and they're operating as a part of his kingdom where he is king and he is on his throne and he's the one, they say later in the text, Jesus is the one who healed them, not me. Don't stare at us like we're special. The reason I wanted to emphasize this while we are talking now is uh, you can get into trouble even if you think you're a Christian, but especially if you're uh, totally different worldview, different religion, etc. If you ever think there is something that I can't deny about Jesus, there's some kind of power there, but I'm not going to worship him as God. There's just something there. 
It might be cool. I might put him up on the shelf next to Gandhi and next to my crystals and next to Buddha. They're all there and they're all equal and maybe they all have something to offer. If that is, and that's a very popular way to do religion, if I think Jesus has something to offer but I don't worship him, how's it going to go? See, as a 21st century pseudo-mystic, you didn't invent this. This happened almost right away. In Acts 19, we'll get to this many moons from now, there were seven sons of a man named Sceba. They were Jewish exorcists. Doesn't that immediately make you want to go see a movie or two? Like, somebody should have sold the movie rights to this. And they go around, they hear that Jesus' name is working. And this is their job. You, you guys, with your jobs, you're always looking for the best angle, right? How, how can I get a little bit better? How can I get just a, an edge? They heard that if you say, in the name of Jesus, that it'll work. And so they decide to go around casting out demons in the name of Jesus. They have no idea who Jesus is. They do not love him. They do not bow the knee to him as creator of the universe. They just heard that maybe this works. Does that make sense? This is what, guys, I, 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 mm, I hurt your feelings here, but I, this is important. We do this still when we go, you know what? Uh, my Christian friends, they went to church and did this thing and it healed their marriage. I have no interest in Jesus, but I'd like my marriage to be better, so I'll go to this thing. I found Jesus to be functional, but not beautiful. And so we find out later in the book, these guys are going around casting out demons. <laughs> and, and this is how you know you're having a bad day as an exorcist. When the demon... <laughs> I could easily go on a t-shirt. Here's how you know an exorcist is having a bad day. When the demon's not intimidated by you and starts talking back, you don't have to see the movies to know this is, this is where it turns dark. When the demon starts asking you some questions, the demon says, I know Jesus, and I've heard of Paul. Who are you? And then the demon-possessed man attacks them and beats them bloody and naked. Guys, it doesn't go well when you find Jesus to be functional. It's just, I found this lamp and I rubbed it and I was told I got three wishes. Or some other guy told me that he found a lamp, so now I'm looking for a lamp. Or the vending machine God. He told me that if you put in a few quarters, you get something. So here I am with my quarters. Man, I'm dating myself. I'm here with my debit card, making a $7 purchase for a Snickers. <laughs> when was the last time a quarter got put into a vending machine? Anyway. <laughs> I, I want you to think about, and I know this got really politicized a few years ago, but this has, in fact, always been true in some circles. I want you to think of the image of a crooked cop. Okay, You're watching NCIS or whatever you do. There's somebody who has been given authority to do certain things, to not do other things. And how, how many guys authority be, can be abused, right? Only when a human's involved, right? And nobody's more upset about an unethical police officer than the rest of the police officers, right? You're dragging our name and reputation through the mud. So 
society has given you this authority, and if you are unjust in the way you exercise that authority, you pull somebody over for illegal reasons, unethical reasons, something, take a bribe. It's crazy how often the Proverbs talk about going into court having received a bribe. It talks about bribes and standing before the judge all the time through Proverbs. And we still have that, don't we? All kinds of laws about receiving a bribe before you go into court to testify about something. See, a police officer doing his or her job really well, they are going to be fully submitted to the law and laws that they swore to uphold. Does that make sense? We could say the same thing about, um, you know, the military swearing to follow, you know, they swear allegiance to the Constitution of the United States. There's an authority above this person. And if our structures are built well, which is its own question mark, that authority works well to bless humanity so long as they stay under the authority they're supposed to stay under. You with me so far? If the police officer follows all the rules and all the laws and follows orders, if the soldier follows orders, if the uh, judge follows his or her orders of all what the law says, things go well. So here's my next step. Here's what I want to encourage you toward. Get yourself under authority purposefully, not by accident. Get yourself under authority purposefully by accident. This is the most countercultural thing I could say to you right now. You, the, uh, let's see, how do I say it? Freedom is an illusion, folks. Freedom is an illusion. The scripture tells me that I am a slave to sin or I am a slave to Christ. Those are the only options. So I think I'm free and Satan chuckles. <laughs> Greg thinks he made that decision. That's funny. Greg got jokes. I am a slave to sin or I am a slave to Christ. I'm operating out of my flesh or if I love Jesus, I've been given a new spirit-born self who loves God and honors God. If I had get myself under authority purposefully because the Lord gave me the humility to go, man, I'm gonna be following somebody, right? The idea of the self-made man, the idea of autonomy, like that's actually a myth. We hear... Uh, I haven't heard it here, thankfully. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We hear of abusive men who call themselves Christians. Submit, woman. Might I just say of any level of authority, if you have to tell somebody you're in charge, maybe you're not. <laughs> A Christian man, bro, you are in charge of so little. A Christian man is told to be pervasively submitted to the scriptures. Is that going to go well for his wife and kids if he sits under that authority the way he ought to? If a Christian man submits to the teaching of the Bible and the leadership of the elders, if a Christian man submits to the police officer, submits to the elected representative, whether or not you voted for that person, if the Christian man submits to the law, if a Christian man submits to his boss so he doesn't lose his job, isn't it hilarious when we are uh, older childhood and our teenage years, we think, I can't wait to be a grown-up so I can. And then you get to be a grown-up and you're like, I have to submit to this person and this person and this person and this person and this person. And this person. You're in charge of nothing or very little. 
we're going to be in submission to somebody, lots of somebodies. So the question is, if we're, an ultimate, if we're a Christian, we're in ultimate submission to Christ, how do we choose into it now? I don't want to go about my day and run across demons and be submitted to no one and try to take on those demons. Because I saw it in Scripture. It didn't go well. I don't get to say, by the authority of this God that I don't worship, I don't get to do that. No one gets to. Jesus will not be used. He is sovereign. You're going to tell the Lion of Judah what to do? Please. Second thing about healing, God heals on his terms, and that's a good thing. God heals on his terms. In John 11, we hear Jesus say the very scary words about a guy being healed. Uh, he was healed so that God would receive glory. He was healed in this moment, under these circumstances, to make God's name famous to those who need to see him and respond in faith to him and worship him. Could you imagine, guys? This, this guy's over 40 years old. We're going to find out from later testimony. How do you feel in the moment when Peter says, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk? And he grabs you by the hand, helps you up, and you can walk for the first time in your life. How are you feeling? Later on, when you're thinking about it, and you've been at that gate every day, for the better part of 40 years, and you realize that Jesus he's talking about has been in and out of the temple for festivals three times a year, including a three and a half year... Wait, Jesus has walked by me at least 10 or 11 times, and he didn't heal me. Do we have a box for that? I w Jesus would have walked right by me three and a half years ago and it happened multiple times. They might have even given me money for my lunch. Jesus didn't heal me. In his sovereignty, he waited until this moment to have two of his followers do it, and I'm so grateful. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Anybody, Jesus saved you, and you were 45 years old, and you're going, Lord Jesus, where were you 45 years ago? Everything God does calls us to trust him. Everything he does. He is never going, you're going to know it all, you're going to have all your answers. That's just not how a sovereign God works. Like he owes us all the answers. In uh, the best trilogy ever made and put onto film, sorry Star Wars fans, uh, Lord of the Rings, there was this cool guy named Gandalf the Grey, and one of the very first things you find out about Gandalf, when his friend says, Gandalf, you're late, he replies, a wizard is never late, young Frodo Baggins. Neither is he early. He arrives precisely when he intended to. That's the feeling we get with Jesus when we watch him, isn't it? He's on his way to heal somebody when a woman who's been bleeding for 13 years reaches out and grabs his rope and his heels and he stops the show to give attention to her when someone else is on the verge of death. Don't you understand we're on a clock here, God? 
Am I okay with the fact that he allows a little girl to die so that he can show up and raise her from the dead? Am I okay with the fact that he purposefully delayed his journey to Lazarus? He allows Lazarus to die so he can show up and raise him from the dead. Am I gonna accuse Jesus of evil in those moments? Or I'm gonna say, God, you understand things a little bit more than I do. I'm taking my hands off of this. You didn't owe me resurrection in the first place, so I'm not gonna complain about you being four days late. You think Lazarus came out of his tomb and like, where were you? I had a nasty cough. You see my tissue, my pile of tissues, Jesus? You think he was complaining? God heals on his terms, and that's a good thing. Third, not all healing is miraculous. Not all healing is miraculous. First, Leviticus chapters 13, 14, and 15, three entire chapters of Mosaic law for what to do when you're sick. You quarantine, you go to the priest, they take a look at it. If it's this, you do that. If it's this, you do that. Including quarantining long before humanity was ever in her infinite wisdom, figuring out quarantining. God said, this is what you do. And if it goes away, you present yourself to the priest, you offer this sacrifice, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, what about this? Colossians 4, Paul remarks that Luke was a doctor. Has anybody noticed through the Gospel of Acts, Luke does not hear the Gospel, get saved, and then quit his medical practice? There are branches of Christianity that would have told Luke to quit his medical practice. I don't agree with them. Like, since God does miracles, we're going to presume upon the miraculous. He's not going to use common grace, the knowledge of smart men and women in the field of medicine. Nope. What about this? Timothy, 1 Timothy 5.23, every Baptist's least favorite verse. Paul says, Timothy, don't drink just water. For the sake of your stomach, make sure to have a little wine as well. That's prescribing something as medicine. So uh, I want you to think of the idea of budgeting your money. Uh, did a three-week series for those of you who were here back in the summer where I tried to say as best as I could that a Christian doesn't have money. A Christian has a stewardship of God's money. That's what we have. Um, and accordingly, we make a plan. If we're following the Dave Ramsey plan, we make a plan before the month starts so things don't sneak up on us, right? Spend every dollar on paper before it even hits my checking account. This is my plan. This is what we're going to do. Okay, what about this? What about that? What's in the calendar? But sometimes we don't budget out the physical resources God has given us. What about my body? What if I can tell from watching around me and even what Scripture says, there are a certain amount of years that I may or may not live on this earth. Would I like to, on the whole, would I like to live longer or shorter? Right? We're making that decision when we don't take up skydiving as an active hobby. <laughs> I was 25 when I briefly worked for MetLife. And man, you got to answer all these questions to get a term life policy, right? And I'm sitting there, 25, I'm going, 
these actuarials know their numbers. I should never do any of these things. <laughs> this long list of dangerous stuff. Like, don't do any, I mean, if you have a cigar hanging out the right side of your mouth and the left side of your mouth while you're jumping out of a plane on a motorcycle, they're not giving you a policy. That's not a thing. There's so many boxes. What if the stewardship of our body was something we took as seriously as the stewardship of our money, that this is something from God and I'm going to honor God in the way I manage it? So here's your next step. Accept stewardship of your body by seeing a doctor, eating well, get some sunshine, get some exercise, get some good sleep. Another way of saying it is this, the Lord gave you a brain. Man, did I just, whoo, I just went back to 14. I just went back to age 14. I heard my mother's voice. Greg, God gave you a brain. Use it. For the love, use your brain. Why would we eat right? Why would we exercise? Why would we take care of our sleep? Why would we do these things? When our God heals. Huh? Because I might be presuming upon, I know I did this for a lot of years, I presume upon the grace of God when I eat something that's really, really not good for me and I have the audacity to fold my hands and say, Lord, please bless this to the nourishment of my body. <laughs> Lord, I'm going skydiving today. I did not prepare my parachute, but you are a God of miracles and you are faithful with your promises. You said he will not strike his foot on a stone and so I'm jumping out of this plane anyway. No, we don't do that. We don't do that. Uh, we also do not pray for our finances when we're able-bodied and there are employers out there looking to hire and I have not filled out a single application. I'm saying, you are Jehovah Jireh. Lord, pay my bills. And he's like, go get a job. <laughs> a God of miracles who's glorifying himself and propagating his gospel, to be frank. That's what's going on through the book of Acts. The reputation, people need to know that Jesus is here to save them. That is the point of all of these. The point of a miracle isn't for God to do a trick. He's not a dog. There's something really disrespectful when I presume upon his grace and I presume upon the miraculous. No, the miraculous, <laughs> I mean... You guys can get angry at me, but I've been fighting cancer for 15 months, so I just say some things. I don't ask God to take cancer out of my body just for my benefit. There's no scriptural mandate for that. What I do is I ask him to heal me because of the number of folks who know I have cancer but don't know Jesus. That's why I ask him to heal me. Does that mean I don't have my own desires? Of course I have my own desires. And Jesus validated them right before he went to his cross. He said, Lord, I have some desires. Father, this is what I want and don't want. Of course we're allowed to ask for that. But how does that prayer end? Not my will, but your will be done. It's like he wants us to trust him. Mm. Fourth, miracles, this is important, are not the only way God glorifies himself. 
He absolutely glorifies himself that way. It is just not the only way. In Romans 1.20, we see that the creation itself is calling out. We read in the Psalms as well, the heavens declare the glory of God, Psalm 19, 1 through 4. And in probably one of the most important verses on God getting his glory, if you love Jesus, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You're a city on a hill, you are salt and light, let your light shine so that everybody will join your church. Did I quote it right? There's some chuckles. Oh, you guys are hurting my feelings. Somebody chuckled. Oh, you think I'm the pastor and I would get it wrong? <laughs> Let your light so shine before people that they might see your good works and give glory to my Father who's in heaven. That's the point of doing the right thing. When pastor tells you over and over and over you don't need to do good stuff so that God will love you, God already has loved you. He's proven it in the cross. If you're like I was when I was a teenager and I was wrestling with this, I'm like, well, so I get to do whatever I want, right? Theologians call it licentiousness. I've got license. Well, if I'm not going to hell over it, then I can just do whatever I want, right? If you undercut somebody's reason for doing something and don't show them what's true, what happens? Jesus said, like, if you cast out a demon but don't replace it with something, he'll come back with seven friends. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, if you love Jesus Christ, we do good things to make the name of Jesus Christ famous in our city and to the ends of the earth. It's about him. It is about the reputation of Christ. And by the way, when we're in loving relationship, isn't your joy to serve somebody anyway when you love them and they love you? Isn't it kind of a natural human thing? You don't do stuff because you're afraid of hell. You don't do good stuff because you think you're going to earn heaven. I do stuff because I want you and everybody out there and to the ends of the earth to know the Jesus that I know. Next step, if you love Jesus. Christian, devote yourself to service. Devote yourself to service. This is the way some people are going to see God for the first time. That's what Jesus said, that people would see your good works and they would give glory to Christ's Father, to God the Father in heaven. You want God to get his glory? And he's told you very clearly through scripture that miracles aren't the only way he's gonna do that. You don't just pray for a miracle, you serve. You serve. You can't operate in Jesus' authority unless you're under Jesus' authority. God heals on his terms, and that's a good thing. Not all healing is miraculous. Miracles are not the only way that God glorifies himself. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to give us some instructions for the cookout. Lord Jesus, would you please allow us to see your face clearly? God, if we've never considered seriously your claims about yourself, help us to think deeply about those things and decide, Jesus, what we think of you. Maybe we've been wrestling with that for years. God, help us to think through and come to a deep conviction about what we believe about you. Jesus, many of us already love you. Some of us have loved you for a long while. 
And we really wanna trust you with how you run your universe. And we confess, God, that it is really hard sometimes. So we pray with our brother from 2,000 years ago, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. God, help us to never, ever fail to ask you for miracles. Help us to ask in the right spirit, not a spirit of entitlement. God, help us to be stewards of everything you've given us, our body, our money, our schedule, so that we're not praying for a miracle at the last minute because we weren't good stewards, but we're praying for a miracle so that you'll show off. God, give us hearts full of faith as we move through the book of Acts. Help us to get riches from this book. God, protect us from the belief that the cool things were just back then and they don't happen anymore as if you have changed somehow. God, in this time where we're about to break bread, would you allow love to dominate our words and our actions toward each other? Uh, Lord, I wanna pray a scary prayer for a bunch of us. Would you please make us really, really good at saying hi to somebody we don't know yet. God, as kids jump on the bounce house and as we play silly games, eating watermelons way too fast, and as we chat, and as kids play on the playground, we ask, Lord Jesus, that we do all this in a way where your heart smiles. The precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So I, there are two groups of people in the room and I'm gonna define them and you get to sort yourself and decide which person you are. There's an army of able-bodied people that I need you to take at least one chair out from under you, take it out into the quad and put six or seven chairs, I said seven maybe, seven chairs around each table. Many of you, I'll need to ask you to come back in and grab a second chair. By then we will probably have enough chairs. If chair moving is something that is solidly in your past. <laughs> you get to decide who that is. You, all I need you to do is stand so someone else can move your chair for you. That's all I need you to do. And you can socialize. The rest of us are going to get chairs out there, and we're going to have a great time. After everyone's gotten through the line and gets to have their food, at some point I will pull people together who want to do the watermelon eating contest. Um, Lord Jesus, thank you for our food. Please bless this time. Amen. Amen. All right, let's move some chairs.